Welcome to Fearless Mom. Today, we're in part two of our First Things First series, where we are being intentional and focusing on what our priorities should be, not just hypothetically, not just in theory, but when we state our priorities and then make the choice to keep first things first. Last week, we talked about self-care, and we got around to really defining it as soul care, taking care of the essence of who we are, the core of who we are. And so today, we have a special guest with us as we do part two. My husband, Mac, is here because we're going to be talking about marriage and how to keep first things first in your marriage and why marriage and why our attitude toward marriage is important as we parent. We're glad you're here. Thank you so much. I love getting to be here. And I, I want to tell you all something really fast and also online. It's fun, it, to get to speak on marriage with you is obviously a treat and a blessing. To get to be married to you is a treat and a <laughs> thanks, blessing. Thanks. But I was at a gathering a week ago, and this guy came up to me I've never seen before. Doesn't even live here in Austin. Came up to me. He goes, I just want to tell you thank you, but really your wife. He said, fearless mom has changed my life. This was a husband. He and his wife watched fearless mom together online from another city in the country. And so to get to share with this, share with y'all a little bit today, right on the heels of hearing that, I think y'all ought to be encouraged, online needs to be encouraged, that what you're doing is literally changing lives. And so to get to be a part of it here today is pretty cool. Well, I'm glad you're here, and thanks for the reminder. We need to welcome in our online moms. If you are watching or listening, our prayer, and you know what, online dads too, we want to welcome you in. And we hope that you feel and you remember that you're not alone, and there is a group of moms in Austin cheering you on. We are with you, we are for you, we are all in this together. And if Fearless Dads, you're listening today, we're really thrilled that you're here today. It's gonna be a great day. Um, and as I said, we have Mac here. So Mac, you're a preacher, why don't you pray for us? I'd be happy to. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to explore your word, your principles and practices, God. And particularly as we take up the subject of marriage, it's our prayer for Julie and me together, that you would speak through us, that you would speak in spite of us, and use this time for your purposes and, God, for our good. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mac and I teach a lot on marriage and family, and I say it every time, but I feel like it needs to be said every time. We speak not because we did it perfectly or that we have a perfect marriage and family. We speak because we believe passionately that God's word has great directives and that if we can take the time, make the time, and do the work to make our lives you know, everything that we were created to be, and then to make our marriages everything that we were created to be. That then the parenting is an overflow of my self-care and my marriage care. We know that there is no perfect family out there. There is no perfect marriage out there. But what we love to do and what we want to do today is to look at God's ideal, God's design and his desire for marriage. And looking at it that way, looking at God's design and desire, 
It's something for everyone to learn, whether you're married or not. Understanding God's intent for marriage, God's design for marriage is valuable for everyone. Again, whether you're married or not. And we're going to talk. We are still married. High five. Here we go. And we are going to talk from (laughs) our perspective. Yeah, from our perspective, but also from our 30 years of ministry and from our experience. Again, It's not that we believe that your life is only full when you're married. It's that your life is full of hope, peace, and joy when you understand God's design for life. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And so, Mac, I know that you have some experience as we talk about God's design and desire. And and we know that we live in a human world, and you grew up in a home that was different from actually what we're going to talk about today. No doubt about it. When you come out of it, like I came out of a home where my parents divorced when I was 12. And my mom did a phenomenal job. She raised three boys by herself, by the way, which hats off to Linda. I mean, she is unbelievable. Amazing. She is an amazing, amazing woman. But, but the thing that my mom did that was so helpful to Julie and me, and, and Julie's done a great job, I think, of, of honoring my mom, but also telling her thank you from time to time. Because my mom, even though she was a single mom, she still held up the ideal and the promise of marriage. She still believed that it could work and can be great, even though she was divorced. And that was just kind of in the air that we breathed growing up. And, and I believe by the grace of God, number one, but also because of the example my mom said in particular, all three of my brothers and I, my brothers and me, all three of us are to this day married to our first wives. We, we stay in the game, and we, we have actually great, healthy marriages, even though we didn't grow up in that environment. So if you're a single mom, if you're, maybe if you're really dejected in your marriage at this moment, I think part of what Julie and I want to do is give you hope and the principles and practices to put into place to make sure that you understand it's entirely possible. Everything that we're going to talk about today is there for the taking, and particularly for those of you who maybe are not married, maybe you're a single mom, I want to encourage you and tell you it is absolutely possible to raise kids and grow them up in what God has for them and to make it everything he wants it to be. Just real quick, I think it's, it's, this is a great little moment. When Julie and I got married, I knew, I knew that God had called us together as husband and wife. I didn't know that it would work. Does anybody else, how many of you, when you got married, you didn't know what you were getting into? Can we see a show of hands? Okay, good. 28 years in, I'm going to go ahead and say I had no idea what I was getting into. (laughs) And so for me, coming out of a home that was divorced, I worried for the first few years that we were married that there was something inside of me. I worried that maybe I would have a tendency to do the same kind of stuff my dad did and check out. And it was about year seven or eight. I don't know. I don't remember where I was, but I remember when it happened. I remember thinking, I actually can do this. I, it's not that complicated. That's not to say that it's easy, but it's not complicated. Just do the next right thing. And when I realized that I could do it, I kind of relaxed all of a sudden. I was like, okay, let's just do the next right thing. And lo and behold, 
everything works pretty well when you do that. And so, like I said, we were married seven or eight years when, the, when this realization hit me. And one time I told this story in, in a sermon on a Sunday morning, and it was after church that day. Our son Joseph goes, wait a minute. <laughs> I was four before you knew this was going to work out. Bless his heart. <laughs> he said, was trying to backtrack. He was trying to remember, like, do I remember like when dad wasn't life. sure if it was going to work? Yeah. But I want to, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, I, I believe that the study of marriage improves everyone's life. Again, because it's God's design and because it represents so much more than just the home that you're living in. I wanna start with Galatians 6, 4, and 5 because some of you say, I'm a single mom. Others of you say, I parent as a single mom. I I want my marriage to be Mm. what God created it to be, but I'm the only one who wants that. And some of you are like, hey, my marriage is great. Um, How do I keep it this way? This is what we're gonna do. No matter where you are today, My goal for you, my prayer for you is that you say, God, show me what I can do. Show me what role I play to honor marriage, whether I'm in a marriage or not. Show me how I can teach my kids healthy marriage. So our verse, you know, and this has been our verse for the whole year, starting in the fall. It may be my verse for the decade. Pay careful attention to what? Your own work. Pay careful attention to your own work. As we talk about marriage, forget about your husband. (laughs) Talk about what can I do? Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For I am responsible, for we are each responsible for what? Our Our own own conduct. conduct. So as fearless moms, we embrace the responsibility for our actions, what we can control to raise up marriage, whether it's the marriage you're in, whether it is the marriage of those around you, understanding marriage so you can encourage friends. That's what we're going to talk about today. And so, you know, I know that last week y'all talked about self-care and soul care in particular. I want to kind of, if I can for a second, I want to piggyback off of that and springboard into marriage care. What does marriage care actually look like? And the bottom line is that we are making choices to build the healthiest marriage. Making choices to build the healthiest marriage possible. And that is really where, like Julie just read out of of Galatians right there, that's where you kind of start to step back and go, What's my job? What is the role that I play in this? And I think especially, and, and if, if you are frustrated in this moment, right now, if you're frustrated in your marriage or you feel like, I just don't know, I, I wish he would get there, or maybe you're watching online and you're thinking to yourself but not saying out loud, I wish she would get there, the opportunity to step back and look at this emotion-free, which I recognize is a massive challenge. And I'll tell you something else. Between Julie and me, emotion-free is a bigger challenge for me than it is. Thank you for not shouting amen. I was trying to, I was like, where's it going? Yeah. I, I am more hard on your sleeve, passionate, emotion thinking than Julie is naturally. Now, obviously, she loves me passionately, but my natural tendency, my personality is, if it comes in here, it comes out there. The reality is, when I get sideways, or if Julie and I were to get sideways, hypothetically, of course, 
the best course of action is for me to step back and ask myself this question. How am I supposed to love Julie in this moment? That's the best question to ask. How am I supposed to love my spouse in this moment? Not what do I feel like, not what did she do wrong, what did he do wrong. What is the best way for me to love Julie in this moment? Making choices to build the healthiest marriage possible. Last week when y'all talked about self-care and you talked about the fact that the healthiest self is one that is marked, one that is dominated by peace, hope, and joy. I kind of feel like that translates really well to marriage. That if our marriages are marked by peace, hope, and joy, that is the ind- those are the indicators, those are the, the vital statistics of a really, really healthy, healthy marriage. Now, peace, hope, and joy are, those, are all three important things because they transcend circumstance. You can be peaceful when things are not good. You can be hopeful when things are not good. You can be joyful when things are not good. It's not easy, but it is absolutely possible. Again, in your relationship with Christ, in our relationship with Christ, that's what dictates, that's what is feeding the fire of peace, of hope, and joy. And listen, Julie and I, I will tell you, by the grace of God, and a lot of work. We have a great marriage. Yes. Okay. Oh, I, I, I thought you totally were, I agree. <laughs> no, I agree. I thought you were going to say something else. I'm trying line, not to interrupt you. Remember that line in Frozen? You hesitated. I'm um, working so hard not to interrupt. Go no, ahead. No. But we do have a great marriage. But we've had our moments, believe me. Over 28 years, we've gotten sideways with each other. We've gotten really good and angry with each other. And it's in those moments in particular that you have an opportunity to affirm the relationship even when you don't feel like it. To affirm the marriage and say, hey, look, I love you and I'm not going anywhere, but right now I don't like you. That's a weird kind of a compliment. When you're choosing to stay in it, even though you're on different pages, that that becomes an opportunity for strengthening a healthy marriage. And again, even though you may not be married, you also have the opportunity to build a strong attitude toward marriage so that your kids pick up the vibe that marriage is actually a viable opportunity. It's actually a viable option in life because the reality is statistically 95%, 95% of our kids will get married. So what we teach, what we communicate, what we convey indirectly drastically affects how they view it. And so looking for a marriage that is full of peace, hope, and joy. What we said last week was as we're um, you know, building self-care, you know, what, is, what does self-care look like? Well, first you've got to picture what healthiest self is so that you have a goal. I feel the same way about marriage. You've got to picture what is my healthiest marriage? What does that look like? So if you can consider um, when someone's building a house, before they start building, there's a lot of planning, and you actually get a drawing of a front elevation. 
What does it look like? What's the goal here? What's it going to look like when it is finished? When Our marriages aren't finished so much, but it does give us a goal. What does healthy look like? And that is a marriage full of peace, hope, and joy. That is not a marriage without conflict. There is no marriage without conflict. That is a marriage that is resilient after conflict. That is a marriage that has figured out how to work through the conflict. And so it's not looking for no argument. It is looking for how to argue. Mac and I are actually going to be doing, he's going to be doing most of the series um, marriage material um, at Lake Hills Church. And then I'm going to join in on the one about conflict because I've got a lot to say. (laughs) And so, but I'm going to talk a lot about that. So we we won't go into that today, but I think sometimes we think a a healthy marriage, when will I get to a point of no conflict? That's not the goal. The goal is peace, hope, and joy when there is conflict and seeing the hope that I'm in conflict now, but I won't be here forever. So I'm going to touch on that. So we defined what marriage care is. Now let's look at how we do it. The key word in the definition, I think, is making choices to build making choices to build healthy marriage. Building is hard work. Mm. It is day after day. It is making a mistake and undoing it and building it back. We will never get to a point. I'm 50 years old. I told you that about self-care. I'm learning about myself every day still. My prayer is that I'm always learning more about myself. And when it comes to marriage, Mac and I have been married 28 years. We've been in ministry 30 years. So we have the experience of many marriages. We're still learning. We're still working it out. I'm still apologizing for things that I realize I've been doing for 28 years. Sorry about that. But every time we teach on it, it's an opportunity for us to grow, but it's all about our mindset about it. So how do we do it? I'm going to tell you that the first thing that you need to do is uh, apply a growth mindset to your marriage. Mm. Apply growth mindset to your marriage. Those of you who missed out on growth mindset, if you weren't here in the fall, I would encourage you to go back and listen or watch those videos to better understand growth mindset and how it applies to parenting and how it applies to ourselves. But as we were studying, I was like, wow, Mac, there's so much growth mindset in all of this research on marriage. So we're going to pull up the chart real quick. I want to remind you that fixed mindset is the, it's again, not just what I think about one thing, it's how I think about everything. So a fixed mindset is the belief that or the understanding, the mindset that things are, it is what it is. How many of you have said that before? It is what it is. Hashtag fixed mindset, people. I had that too. That is a fixed mindset. It is what it is. Because a growth mindset, a growth mindset is full of hope because a growth mindset says, I can change this. I can make it better. It says that things, whether it is your marriage, yourself, your health, whatever it is, I can Im- implement strategies and new perspectives, and I can make things better. It's, a, it's the way you look at everything. So if we apply this to marriage, if you look at this chart, avoid challenge and risk, the fixed mindset, a growth mindset, says, man, marriage is It is hard. It is hard, but it's so worth it. So I'm going to take the risk, and I'm embracing the challenge. I don't look at it and go, this is so hard. It is what it is. Wow. You know, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Whoa. What a treat to be married to that. (laughs) Right. No, and it's, it's, it's embracing that challenge. It is hard, but anything worth doing is worth working for. And so then learn 
from feedback and criticism. Wow, you want to talk about applying the growth mindset to marriage? It is receiving influence from your spouse. It is receiving feedback and criticism with, you know what? We have the same goal of making our marriage everything that it can be. That's not a personal attack. I'm telling that to myself because I don't <laughs> always respond that way. Um, and then it is never giving up versus a, growth mi- a fixed mindset gives up easily. I want to do a little caveat here. I have friends who worked very hard on their marriages, very hard, and they had growth mindset, and they were in it, and their husbands remained unfaithful or remained, um, you know, abusive, and that's not giving up. That, that was, they did not give up on their marriage. Their marriage um, was unhealthy, and I'm talking about unhealthy in a way that um, the husband was not willing to put forth any effort. So when I say never give up, I'm going to tell you that's a tiny percentage, a tiny percentage. I have other friends who they went through infidelity, they went through it, they got counseling, they got help, and their marriages are thriving. There is no across-the-board thing. That's where wisdom, discernment, and common sense. But I I just think sometimes when we say never give up, I I think we have to approach that with wisdom and discernment. And I'm going to add on to that just from a guy's perspective. Any guy that is abusive to a woman is not worth the time. They are loved by God, and they are so sick and so unhealthy, you have to remove yourself from that environment. I can't tell you, I cannot describe, and I talk for a living, okay? I cannot describe how unhealthy a man is who will put hands on a woman in an unaffectionate way. So please understand that. If, if, you're, if, if that guy is abusive, particularly physically, remove yourself from that situation. That doesn't mean he can't get better. It doesn't mean he can't get healing. But he is broken if he abuses a woman. You cannot tolerate that in any way, shape, or form. And I just, I want to I put like a really fine point on that because I think it is so, so important. And I also think it's very important to understand the damage that that does to a woman's heart, soul, and psyche. If you have been abused, counseling from a Christian perspective is so important and so, so helpful to your spiritual and emotional healing coming out of that. It's not a gray area. It's not something that should be ever in any way, shape, or form, even one time, tolerated. Any questions? Yes, but, so. but I think when we say things like never get up, keep working, I, I do think we have to understand um, that uh, we can control what we can control. Right. And our responsibility is to do what we can. And there are a small percentage, guys, a small percentage where it's just the, the, the healthy thing to do is to um, separate. But again, I'm... Odds are in this room it's not you because it's a small percentage. But I just feel like we need to support those women as well. Um, and so then, uh, inspired by other successes, I'm just I'm just focusing on growth mindset with our chart. Learning from failure. If we have a bad day, a bad year, a bad argument, I have a choice. I can carry that forever, 
or I can learn from it and move on and make, it, make our marriage stronger. Um, and then continue learning. I'm always learning. I think we should always be learning and always feeling like we can get better. So we did our superpowers with the growth mindset, the power of yet. You can see my necklace. Someone gave me this. It's yet. It's a great reminder of the power of yet, power of choice, praise, struggle, risk, new, pause right now, and growth. Here's what I'm going to say about marriage. There are a few of them that stand out. I'm not happy in my marriage yet. I'm not happy in my marriage yet. Or how about this? I don't like my husband. Instead of putting a period there, say, I don't like my husband right now, but I believe I will one day. I'm unhappy in my marriage right now, but I won't be unhappy forever. Do you see that mindset? How just adopting that vocabulary can change how you're feeling and how you're thinking about your marriage. You're flipping from putting a period there to adding those important words. I'm not happy right now. I'm not hopeful right now. I'm not joyful right now, but I will be joyful one day. And so applying those, and then the value of struggle. We talk about the value. Hey, marriage, we're going to struggle, but you know what? I can be mad about it or I can develop from it. It's my choice. I can get better or I can stay bitter. It's my choice. The power of choice. You always have a choice. Everybody say always. Always. I cannot control Mac. I've tried. <laughs> I cannot control Mac, but I always can control how I approach and respond to him. Mm. And that is when I'm amygdala, you know, when I'm all emotional, probably not the best time. I'm not probably working on my problem-solving skills at that moment. <laughs> I get my heart rate down. I get my blood pressure down. I get my breathing slowed. Move it to the front. That's how we approach it. We're going to talk about conflict more, but embracing that struggle and implementing and applying the growth mindset. And it really does come down to the choices that we make, and, and I mean this when I say we on a regular basis. So you apply that growth mindset, but then you implement healthy habits. You implement healthy habits. I love that, that we use the term building, that Julie used the term building a healthy marriage, building a strong marriage, because I think it's a great picture for how we enter marriage, most of us, when you walk the aisle and got married, if you picture your marriage as a, as a house, just as a structure, I think most of us picture a mansion, don't we? I mean, nobody here pictured an outhouse when you pictured what marriage would be like when you got married. So you picture a mansion. He loves me. He's attentive. He bathes. He brushes his teeth. All those things. Well, building a mansion, let, let's say that, that the mansion is complete and it's on HGTV and Chip and Joanna look at it and go, wouldn't that be great? That, let's say that that's the mansion that your marriage, that you're aiming for. Even building a mansion is not glamorous. No matter how beautiful a mansion is, when it's under construction, it is dirty, it is loud, when it rains, it gets muddy. It is hard work. It is unglamorous, unsexy work building a mansion. By the same token, building a great marriage is unglamorous, unsexy work. But it's worth it. And it's the work that produces the mansion. It's the work and the healthy habits that we build. We're talking about 
proactively cultivating marriage. Cultivating. I want you to think about farmers. I want you to think, most of us didn't grow up in an agricultural or an agrarian economy, but farmers, you will never meet anyone who works harder than a farmer or a rancher. They work so, so hard. And in their environment, they're working really, really hard just to be fortunate enough to be in a position where if the rains fall and the sun happens at the right times, then they can produce a harvest. You and I have the promises of what God has promised us when we cultivate a healthy marriage. God promises to show up in that. God promises to bring his power to bear in that environment. Richard Foster is uh, a theologian and scholar. He's a Quaker by his background and tradition. Forty years ago, he wrote a book called The Celebration of Discipline. The Celebration of Discipline. And in this book, he talks about the spiritual disciplines that we cultivate in our lives, the things that we do, the healthy habits that we implement in order to grow in our relationship with God, in order to grow spiritually. This is what he writes. But I want you to think about this in the context of marriage as well. He says, a farmer is helpless to grow grain. All he can do is provide the right conditions for the growing of grain. He cultivates the ground, he plants the seed, he waters the plants, and then the natural forces of the earth take over and up comes the grain. The disciplines, spiritual disciplines, are God's way of getting us into the ground. They, pit, they put us where he can work within us and transform us. By themselves, the spiritual disciplines can do nothing. They can only get us to the place where something can be done. They are God's means of grace. So when you implement the healthy habits of marriage, you're putting yourself, you're putting your marriage, and even helping to put your husband, your spouse, in a place where they can grow and a healthy marriage can come up out of the dirt, can come up out of the ground and flourish and sprout and thrive and bloom. And so those healthy habits that we talk about, if you've heard us teach on marriage, we always say connect daily, whether your spouse is out of town or in, a town, in town, connect daily, whether it is a kiss, whether it is a conversation, um, a phone call, whatever it is, connect daily, date weekly, date weekly, and then retreat annually. Retreat without your children is what I'm gonna say. And it may be, remember we talked about self-care and you gotta be honest with the stage of life you're in. We're empty nesters. It looks very different now than it did when we had you know, a four and a two-year-old. And so we had to, you know, we traded babysitters with our neighbor so that we could date weekly. And a date was usually you know, an hour <laughs> because that was our free babysitting. You, you do what you need to do to make it work in the season that you're in. And realistically, it's harder for us to schedule a date now um, that we, weird. we work together, that we're together all the time. So we have to be that much more intentional about it. So you connect daily, date weekly, retreat annually, and you implement those healthy habits, just like building a home. When you build a home from scratch, if you implement those healthy habits early on, it's like you're, when we built a house years ago, our first home, we got to draw the plans. We 
got to put the sink right where we wanted it. And so they poured, we, the pipes were already in before they poured the concrete. This house we're in now, when we moved in, I wanted to move the sink. So I'm like, well, that's no big deal. And so I said, you know, I want to move the sink to in front of the, you know, I want to face this uh, window instead of this one. They go, no problem. We will um, tear up the foundation, move the pipes. It can be done. But it will cost a lot of money, and it will be hard work. If you find yourself in a marriage with unhealthy habits, it can be done to implement the healthy habits. It just will take more work. So if you're in a young marriage, man, get those healthy habits going. If you're in a marriage that you're thinking, ah, oh, we've got we've to turn the Titanic here, it can be done. It will take more work, but it is worth it. It is worth I the work. I just laughed when you said a young marriage because I'm like, what would you call this? Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, we're, we're old. We're yeah. seasoned. We're, we're old, honey. Sorry, <laughs> keeping it honest up here. Okay, so you are applying the growth mindset to the marriage. You're implementing healthy habits, doing the work. Remember, building is hard work. And then you will never, ever hear me teach on marriage and not mention the Gottmans because sociologically they are the king and queen of relationships. And so the Gottmans studied um, couples for years, starting in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Well, what they discovered, I think, brings us back to our verse of embracing my responsibility and what I can do. It implements the growth mindset saying, I always have a choice. It falls right into what we're talking about because everyone, say everyone. Everyone. <clears throat> everyone can do what I'm about to tell you to do. It's all about behavior. So it's not like my husband does this, my husband's like this, I'm a single mom. That's irrelevant. Everyone can respond to the bid. Turn to your neighbor and say, respond to the bid. Respond to the bid. Respond to the bid. What I mean by that, the Gottman said a bid is anything like this. It can be super small. It's something like this. Hey, honey, look, um, look, did you see this video? Or when we're watching football, oh my gosh, Julie, come in here and watch this play. He'll rewind it. That's a bid. He's asking me to be interested in something that he's interested in. You're welcome. Every time he does that, I have a choice. Say, I have a choice. I have a choice. I have a choice. Once I read about the bids and I read that marriage masters respond positively, they call it a turn toward. So marriage masters turn toward the bid eight out of 10. It's actually 87, so it's almost nine out of 10. Eight out of 10, a marriage disaster, three out of 10. A marriage disaster turns toward, that means I'm turning away seven out of 10. I have a choice that is always in my power so if to turn chance, toward or turn away from the bid. If by chance I don't respond to the bid promptly, it's not uncommon for me to hear, we're falling into the 70 percentile. Yes, I'll start yelling, marriage disaster. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. We're marriage masters because he responds to the bid and comes to look at whatever I told him to look at. So it is what, whatever that bid may be, they're so tiny. But once you're aware, and again, that's something you can do. No matter your husband, you're thinking, well, I want him to respond to my bid. That's about him. We're talking about marriage. Forget about your husband. And so talk about what can I do? I can turn toward, I can respond positively. And you think, well, I've heard that before. There are actually four responses. There's an active turn toward and a passive turn toward. There's an active turn away and a passive turn away. So if he asks me to do something, I go, quit bothering me. 
That is, a, that is an active turn away. <laughs> if, if he asks me to do something and I pretend like I don't hear him, that is, it's still a turn away. It's still a turn away. We have decided, I've told y'all this, most of our bids are about our dogs or about some video, you know. And so he will say, we think Gus is just amazing. And so the number of times Mac will say, come look at Gus. And he's doing exactly what he does every morning when he walks out the door. But I, I have a choice. I have a choice. I can turn toward, you know what I'm saying when I turn toward? You matter to me. What matters to you matters to me. So it's a behavior, but it's a behavior that communicates. And so you can turn toward. You can do it. It doesn't, don't wait and don't pray. That's what we, don't pray when you, please God, help me want to turn toward the bed. No, choose to do it. Choose to do it. Do the right thing until it feels right through it. Because it's the right thing until it feels like the right thing. Go ahead. Sorry, I could talk about bids all day. I won't. I won't. I may. All I'm going to say is, believe me when I tell you. She could talk about bids all day. I do. I think it's fascinating. I've seen her do it, but it is. And, it, and it, I'll tell you this, too. We had a good marriage before we knew about bids. It's helped us. I it's, didn't realize how often, sorry, <laughs> I was passively turning away. I was. I would say, in a minute, uh, I'm doing something. That wasn't wrong. It just wasn't building my marriage. And so it, it wasn't, I wasn't mean-spirited. I wasn't, I just wasn't turning toward. And when I realized that I have that choice, I can turn toward when it's inconvenient. I can turn toward when I'm in the middle of something. I can choose to turn toward and build my marriage. I always have a choice. See? Anyway, <laughs> uh, I love that at the very beginning, Julie talked about embracing responsibility because we're going to kind of bring this back full circle at this point. What that means is this. Control what you can. Make peace with what you cannot. Control what you can. Make peace with what you cannot control. Julie said very eloquently, I can't control Mac. I've spun that around the other way and said, I've, said, I've told groups of men, you can't control your wife. I don't mean that it's a bad idea. I don't mean that you shouldn't try to. I mean you can't. To control another person is actually impossible. Now, you can manipulate. I could, manip I could try to manipulate Julie. I can't control her. You can't unscrew the top of someone's head, put the thoughts in there that you want to be there, put the lid back on, and then have them behave the way you want them to. You can't do that. To try to do that is to set yourself and your spouse up for failure and massive frustration. So you, you control what you can. You embrace the responsibility that you have, but then make peace with what you can't. To make peace with what you can't means that you step back and go, I can't control, in your case, him as a husband. I can't control her. And that's actually good news. Because the reality is, I want Julie to want to love me. I want, I want to create an environment. I want, to, I want to cultivate the soil of our marriage, the soul of our marriage, in such a way that she wants to love me. She wants to respond to the bid. So when you start to understand that, you kind of just 
relax a little bit. Everybody do this, even if you're watching online. I want everybody just take a deep breath and hold it in. Okay, let it out. Doesn't that feel great? I mean, just, just objectively, that feels good. I think a lot of times when we feel like we're out of control, when we feel like things are not where we want them to be, where our husband's not doing what we want him to do, our wife's not doing what we want her to do, we, our, our reflex a lot of times is to try to grab control, to white-knuckle it. You can't. You can't. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Romans 12, 18. Now, I want you, before I read this, keep in mind, this is the Holy Spirit of God working through the Apostle Paul's pen. This is what God says. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, that's responsibility. That's embracing the responsibility that you have. All you can do is all you can do. And we've already established the fact and the reality that changing another person is not something I can do. I can, do, I can cultivate an environment where she wants to change, where she wants to respond to the bid for the thousandth time about something Gus is doing or a football play. But I can't make her do that. So I want to create an environment where she wants to, where she's like, she's so connected to me. She's like, whatever Mac is looking at, man, it must be awesome. Because I know that he loves me that much. Because that environment, that the soil of our marriage has been cultivated. And sometimes, sometimes the soil of your marriage can, can become rock hard packed. It's in those moments we have to do what we can do and break up the hard clay, break up the hard soil so that seeds of hope and peace and joy can sink in and take root so that, so that it comes in and everything becomes an opportunity for growth and health, even the hard stuff, even the times when we disagree because when we disagree, we go, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I love you. You're still number one on the planet, humanly speaking to me. But this can and ought to be better than it is right now. Let me take responsibility for what I've done wrong. I'm sorry. Here's how I'm feeling. Again, it's that embracing. It, responsibility is a great word. Turn to your neighbor and with a smile on your face, tell him, get your responsibility on. Get your responsibility <laughs> on. <laughs> because what responsibility does ultimately is it creates freedom. When you own what you can own, and let go the stuff that you can't, take a deep breath. You, you, you relax so much more. We're going to move into a time of reflection as we wrap up. And we're going to look at our self-care and our marriage care and looking at what we can do. Again, we always teach about God's ideal. And there are moments in our marriage where Mac and I have been like, okay. It's really good. I feel like we're doing good. There are other moments when we've been like, yeah, I, I don't want it to last like this for a long time, <laughs> you know. But again, it's always working to get better wherever you are. But we have to evaluate where we are, as we said last week, without judgment 
and without comparison. So when I look at myself, this is what I'm going to ask you to do on your um, paper for your self-care and I mean for the reflection. I wanted you to draw a line. I think we have an image up here and you write self and marriage and then draw a line at the top put full at the bottom put empty. So it's just self full and empty, marriage full and empty. And then during our prayer time, I want you to consider where do I feel like I really am mm. without judgment, whether it's not where you want to be or it is where you want to be. Just look at it honestly. Because what did we tell? I told you that I tell my kids all the time when, you would go, when they would drive back to college, I would say never let your tank get below a quarter in case you get stuck in traffic. And so that's what we say about self-care and marriage care. Be filling it up all the time because the wind and the waves will come. You will get stuck in traffic. You will be rerouted. You will hit bumps, you will hit curves, you will hit detours, but if your tank is full, you're ready for it. And so what we want to do is take a moment and honestly say, God, help me see where I really am. You may be afraid to see where you really are, but when you apply the growth mindset, you go, this is where I really am. I'm looking at it without judgment. I'm just stating where I am, and there's hope because I know already I'm armed with choices that I can make to get it better. My marriage, where is it? And if you're not married, look at your relationship with your child's father, your attitude toward marriage. How do you encourage your other friends toward their marriage? And so what's my attitude toward marriage? Is it empty or is it full? How do I speak about marriage? And then we're going to put under there something you can do this week under self. What's one thing I can do? What is something I can control? I'm going to remember, um, I'm going to take the nature pill and spend time outside. Whatever that is, think of one thing you can do to raise the level of the tank. And for your marriage, one thing you can do. I'm going to look out for bids or I'm going to write him a love note. I'm going to text him and tell him I'm grateful for him. Whatever that thing is, there are some things you can control. You can't maybe fix your marriage all today, but you can fix your mindset about your marriage. You maybe can't, remember I said, you know, or call Lowe's and get free delivery on a new you today. You know, mm -hmm. I need one that's a little more effective. I need one that's a little more energetic. And so you, but you can do something to improve your self-care and to improve your soul care and your marriage care. So as you do that, um, we're going to pray out. And thank you again for being with thank us. You, and you know buddy. what? I'm going to ask you to pray out. Okay. Will you pray for I'd us? I'd love to, love to. Dear Heavenly Father, again... We thank you for the fact that you care about every part of our lives. And God, that not only do you care, but you choose to participate with us. You choose to give us hope and peace and joy. God, that you are our hope, our peace, and our joy. And I pray for every marriage represented here in the room, every marriage watching online. God, I pray for every single mom that you would be so real to them that you would use this time, God, for your purposes, but also for our good in every single situation that is affected, that is receptive to what you have for them. We pray this prayer again in the name of Jesus, the one who makes it all possible. Amen.